When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Binge Boys in full effect. What up? I'm Hal Rudnick, and across from me is Lon Harris. Lon, your beard is looking long and lustrous. Yeah, it's been, I don't take care of it at all anymore. Honestly, I'm a few months away from just like talking like Cloud Atlas, like just going right back to nature, like, give me the true, true. Oh, like, I don't even, I don't even like, I don't so remember what devolve. civilization is. Yeah. Is the step below that going full Nell? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. I'm going to 100% be, be feral, I think yeah, is, the, yeah. is the term that you would use. Yeah. My hands will become claws. I'm going to like go straight Gollum. Like we're going to, we're going to go Smeagol to Gollum is what's happening here. I look forward uh, to seeing you in a loincloth lawn. How long, how long did it take? Do you remember? How long does it take Smeagol to turn into Gollum in Lord oh, of the Rings? Oh, you're asking the wrong guy. That's a nightmare. That, like, we don't think about how awful that, like, that's, that was not a slow process. No. You know what I'm talking about. He was just a hobbit. He was a normal, he looked like Andy Circus at the beginning. Yeah, then he became a, a, a ring-obsessed a, a twisted, creature. yeah, like, at that that's, that's that's hundreds of years. That's thousands of years. I don't know thousands. That's that. Listen, if you're there, I'm sure by the time you're hearing this, I could easily have looked up this answer. So please don't contact us. You're in the future. I already know the answer. But now offhand, I don't know how long that took. You've heard of Hulu's dope sick. Uh, Smeagol was ring sick. Yeah, it's even worse. It's oh, like there's yeah. no methadone for the ring. There's he's, no like he's all itchy and he's pressed. There's no like smaller ring where it's like, well, Smeagol I can... need Smeagol need dope. Smeagol need oxycontin. Really? Yeah, there you go. That's uh, that's uh, what if Gollum was on oxycontin, folks? Yes. Um, that's uh, the part Let's of the show it. where I make fun of the opioid epidemic. Yeah, really. Just like people are just really hurting, Alan. Yeah. You're just, um, just, just twisting the knife. Once again, um, a bastion of poor taste. Yeah. Lon, let's move past this and never speak of it again as we jump into the news. The news with Lon. Well, Hal, listen, I don't know. I, I, we don't really get, we don't get into religion a lot on this show. I don't, really? I don't know if, I don't know if people want us to really dig into these kinds we of have topics. Our moments. I don't know if we really want to like, I don't know. Listen, here's what I'm saying. Folks, if you're listening, Hal, 
I don't know if you observe Disney Plus Day in your household. I don't want to step on any toes. But this past Friday, it was, in fact, Disney Plus Day. We got a lot of news. It's the it's the second anniversary of Disney Plus. That's what's happening. That's what we're celebrating. A high holy day in many yeah, households. Yeah, the world changed. Uh, you know, Bob Iger and Bob Chappick came with some good news for the world. Uh, they brought uh. it down from the mountaintop. And it was a uh, look. And is it is it true with uh, with every show announcement they let out a cloud of smoke from the top of uh, the Magic Kingdom? Yeah, if it's if it's white smoke, that means there's a new Marvel show, and if it's if it's black smoke, that means uh, Christmas is canceled. There you go. Uh, so we got a lot. We got a lot of news. It was released in an extraordinarily, I thought, chaotic way. Like mm-hmm. normally, like what DC did was they had like their their fan dome. They called it. It was like a literal like they had a virtual dome set. And there was right. a live stream, and The Rock would come out, and he'd be like, hey, I'm The Rock. Here's my movie. It's called Black Adam. Check it out. Perfect Rock impression, by the way. I know that I just fucking nailed that one. Yeah, uh, stuck the and everybody's like, And everybody's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's Black Adam. And then it would be like, The Rock, hey, see ya. And then that, that was the show. And this was Boom. some stuff went up on Twitter, and some stuff was on YouTube, but then some stuff just lived on the Disney Plus site, and you wouldn't even know about it if you were just on Facebook or Instagram. It was all it was all over the place. Uh, huh. So, but eventually we we're able to like pull it all together. So one of the things we got this went up only on Disney Plus. They put uh, little teasers for all these upcoming Marvel shows. So I sent you some of those. Yes. Moon Knight, a little She-Hulk, Ms. Mm-hmm. Marvel. These were our first looks at all of these. Uh, Oscar Isaac, of course, doing kind of a, 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 a British street urchin sort of voice for Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. You, you, yeah. You, I th- That Moon Knight teaser... Yes. Gave me nothing. Maybe I need to watch it again, but I... I it's a weird character, and I feel like you don't want to explain, because there's a lot going yeah. on with Moon Knight. He's it, It's both a ancient Egypt mythology, mm-hmm. like he is possessed by an ancient Egyptian god. Yeah. But then there's also, he's like messed up, like he's got dissociative identity disorder, basically like multiple right. personalities. So... This voice we're hearing is probably just one of his many personalities. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't know how it's possible. I feel like I know less about Moon Knight after watching that Moon Knight teaser. I I think at this point they're just going to have to use Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke's presence in this show as the enticement. Marvel, Mm -hmm. these two actors you really like, check it out. And like hope that that is enough to get people to check it out. And like I'm sure the show makes sense once you give it an episode or two. It's there's a lot of weird mythology for Moon Knight and it doesn't connect with a lot of other Marvel stuff and you're just going to have to take the plunge on that one. She-Hulk, Ms. Marvel both seem a lot more immediately accessible. Yeah, pretty linear, straightforward, narrative. Yeah, I got, I got it. Um, yeah, She-Hulk, it's a Lady Hulk. What do you want? Yeah, and it's uh, Tatiana Maslany, which will be fun, mm-hmm. and uh, Mark Ruffalo back, uh, and apparently back in human form. The last time we saw him in Endgame, he was... He was Professor Hulk. He was he was merged. Well, we did get a we did get a peek at uh, he is Professor Hulk in part of the trailer at least. Right, but, but yeah. the, we've also seen now uh, in uh, I guess it was Shang Chi that he's uh, he's also capable of just being back to Mark Ruffalo. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
He can he can go back and forth at will, folks. Yeah, when they were trying to make make heads or tails of those rings. And then lastly, Ms. Marvel, she's a uh, teen who loves Captain Marvel, and mm-hmm. then somehow, we don't know, she develops superpowers of her own. In the comics, it's something like she can make like her fists like, super big, and right. I, I know I've seen the images. Apparently, they're changing it for the show, so we don't know yeah, exactly Yeah, I guess from what, what I heard, be. she's kind of a shapeshifter. So, I don't know. They'll figure it out. Something like that. You know what? They'll figure it out. That's what the MCU does. Fucking powers the, Except shit, in the right? case of the Eternals, I guess. I don't know. Maybe she's got magic light powers as well. We'll we'll see. We'll figure it out. Maybe she shoots uh, lasers out of her butt. She could, you know, that'd be useful, right? Everybody likes lasers. Uh, mm-hmm. They're also bringing back the X Men animated series from the '90s. You remember Very cool. the, the classic '90s? Same cast. A lot of the the, the showrunners are coming back as consultants. They're they're bringing everybody back for uh, for more. They gave me a shout out in their book. Oh yeah, the uh, the X Men animated series showrunners. The, yes. the the Leywalds, Leywalds. How do you pronounce that? Name? Yes, uh, Leywalds, Leywalds. Something like that. Something like yeah. that. D- d- delightful. Uh, so anyway, happy everybody's coming back. They're just gonna. They're calling it X Men '97, which is the year that the animated series ended. So oh. I'm taking that as an indication they're just gonna pick up the story where it left off and that iconic theme. Keep keep going. Don't sing it or oh. we'll get we'll get sued. We'll get dinged. We don't want to get dinged again. Uh, so that that's that's. A a lot of fun. Pixar doing a new series with Owen Wilson and Larry the Cable Guy called Cars on the Road. Here's my question. Where the fuck else are cars going to be? They're always on the road. That's not, um, you got to give me more information. Pixar. In the lot? They could be in a lot. That's cars on the road. It's like, well, yeah. I mean, fucking, what Cars you, what impounded? Im- implied. Uh, implied, really. It's, it's true. Where else just, are they going to be? Just call it Cars the Show. Yeah, a little bit redundant, and so yeah, it kind of goes without saying. Ridiculous, right now, Pixar. You sound ridiculous. Uh, yeah. They're also yeah. doing a baseball themed series called Win or Lose, and again, uh, you're giving me nothing. Yeah, there, yeah, there are literally there are literally no ties in baseball, so yeah. that's yeah. From those from are the, the studio that brought you Toy Story, it's like, listen, guys, come on, I we gotta. The animation is wonderful, but you're giving me nothing here with these titles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let, let, let's uh, let's circle the wagons one more time. Go back to the drawing board. Run a th- few things up the flagpole and see who salutes. God damn it! Shit the bed on those titles. We're upset. We're upset. If you're just joining us, we're upset with Pixar for furious with Pixar for various reasons, which we'll talk about. And then lastly, time. two shows from National Geographic. Uh, one starring Chris Hemsworth. One starring Will Smith. Both of them featuring them going out. Doing rugged, outdoorsy, climbing adventure things. Rich people get the get the tour of a lifetime. Yeah, they're proving they, they But both cases, it sort of feels like they're. It feels like is any are, are people in their lives being like, you couldn't really do that stuff. That's just in the movies. It feels like they're reacting to us not believing that they're real heroes. You know, like oh re- oh yeah, I'm gonna like jump off this mountain. Like, it's like you don't have to jump off a mountain. It's fine. They're handsome and wealthy, and they're doing very expensive things. I just like nobody's challenging your manhood, Thor. You're you're fucking Thor. Is that is it not is it not enough to be Thor? We have to be like, oh, the real Chris Hemsworth is also very impressive. Like honestly, go fuck yourself. Yeah, for for real. And it's like. Let me think you're a slob when you're not playing Thor. Allow me to think that, Chris Hemsworth, you fucking piece of shit. 
You know, I want to see Chris Hemsworth playing Hulk Hogan in the upcoming biopic. I want to see Chris Hemsworth uh, in the upcoming uh, in Thor, Love and Thunder, or the next Guardians film, or whatever. I don't need this. I don't need to see him, like, you know, go scuba diving 20,000 leagues under the sea. Or I don't, I don't need to see Will Smith, like, you know, go on a safari and see the antelopes crossing the Serengeti. It's just like, great. How's, like, how is this different from, like, it's just like rich guy vacations, it's, no, it's, it is. That's like, exactly what it is. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, but a lot of people like that. It's a, but that's a genre unto itself. Yeah. I guess. Listen, I like the. I like these actors. I like that. It's just. No, that's a whole. That's like. There's always those shows where it's like you and McGregor is gonna ride a motorcycle to some nice places. Stanley Tucci is going to drink a tiny espresso. And there's a. There's one. I think it's Discovery eat Plus some where Capicola. it's. It's. It's literally Eugene Levy staying at lavish resorts. That's the show. That's that's a real show that's coming out. It's called. I think it's like the Reluctant Traveler with Eugene Levy, and the and the the, the concept is he doesn't like to travel, so they're gonna have to pry him to travel by like, oh, it's an eight star resort, Eugene Levy, and it's like, well, okay, great, yeah, and we, he of course he can stay in a nice place. He's Eugene Levy. I, I think I'm figuring out like maybe this is one of my least favorite genres. It's very yeah. few and far between. Like I like the trip. I like the trip. With well, us. but that's fictional. Like they're making a story out of it. They're not just going places and eating seafood. But that conversation between, like those, they're riffing. They're yeah, riffing but they're playing the heightened versions of themselves, and they're making it like a, you know, it's like a, it's cathartic. It's scripted. It's like you, they're they're playing characters. Mm, yes and no. I feel like the, when once once you once they dive into the interplay and they're trying to make each other laugh with their Michael Caine impressions. Well, sure, there's a there's a documentary aspect to the conversations, but those are not those are not documentary films. They're, Is it Steve Coogan and? Uh, yeah, it's been Rob Bryden. Rob Bryden, yes. Yeah. But yeah, um, I'm, this this genre of like watch me on a fancy vacation where I'm pretending to risk my life, but beforehand I make sure there is every possible failsafe. Although didn't Zac Efron almost die on one of these type of shows? Yeah, there's a net. He does one on Netflix, but his is also his isn't just traveling around. It's also like wellness shit. So like he goes to places and then like fast for a week or like and then does let's sustainably farm the I don't know like I haven't watched it but you know you know what I'm saying it also has that it's not just vacation he's got like a like an activism part of it too gotcha sustainability or something I think alright let's move on that was Disney Plus Day for all those who celebrate uh, and we wish you a, a, a holy and uh, s- and uh, sacred Disney Plus Day M- mazel tov to everyone who belongs to yeah. the House of Mouse uh, Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, and Rupert Grant, along with director Chris Columbus and a, and a whole bevy of other stars, going to reunite for a 20th anniversary Harry Potter special. That's going to debut on HBO Max on New Year's Day, so January 1st, 2022. Although we're, like, right in the midst of the 20th anniversary right now, the uh, the the first Harry Potter film opened about 20 years ago this week in 2001. Oh my I like those movies. Uh, the Sorcerer's Stone, that was yes. the, the very first one. Uh, so the special is going to feature uh, all of those, the, the main stars, plus uh, Helena Bonham Carter, Robbie Coltrane, Ray Fiennes, Gary Oldman, Jason Isaacs, Imelda Staunton, Tom Felton, many, many others. Uh, J.K. Rowling still profits from the Potter series, but she will not actually be appearing on this special. Because she's a controversial turf. 
Well, they're not saying because she hasn't been banned officially, but she just she's not on the list of people who will be appearing quite possibly because she's sort of on the outs with the fandom for for being a transphobe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the the reunion should culminate in everyone doing kind of an intervention and like verbally accosting her uh, about uh, the way she's spoken about trans people. I don't. I don't think that. I would tune in for that. Ooh, that is some must see. I think it's going to be more like what would what's your favorite every flavor bean? Yeah. What what house do you think uh, you would be in, Kim Kardashian West? Ladies and gentlemen, butterbeer is served. Yeah, it's going to be, I'm hoping it's maybe a cut above the Friends reunion. It's exactly the Friends reunion. Um, but it'll be similar. Uh, obviously, they have not announced a host, but I'm just assuming James Corden already has the gig. Oh, he's got the Just wait track. for it. Come on. We all know that's coming. Can a dazed Matthew Perry wander in? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Going through. Well, he said it was like tooth. He'd had tooth surgery, and that's why I, he was speaking so oddly. He had like giant new caps and crowns put on. Listen, nobody's denying something was going on with his teeth. I have a theory that like, okay, listen, um, we all go through it. I'm getting older. Uh, we we all are. Uh, I've got, you know, gray hairs now and all sorts of shit. And um, so, so any, we all, we all age. He aged the, not the, the worst of the friends, I think you could say. Uh, and why are you kicking the shit out of Matt Perry right now? No. So I'm saying, here's my theory. I think you can objectively say that thanks, unfortunately, to the rigors of, dr- of drug abuse. Anyway, I don't, I'm not saying anything people don't Could know. Could you be any more out of line? No, oh, well played, Lon. And <laughs> so uh, what I'm saying is I think in order to offset that, he's like, oh, what if I have the best smile in the room? I'm going to get this <laughs> store-bought smile. Oh. And, he sh- and he showed up and this it's like, oh, those. This is mean-spirited theory. I don't know. Maybe he just like, I don't know. He had, he had some kind of act, trip and fall accident, busted his teeth. Needed to get some emergency dental work done. Lon, He's a little out of sorts. Out of control. Those chicklets He's were out of control. He's still not feeling hundred percent. I wish him the best. I wish I, him the we best. We all listen. We all wish Matthew Perry the best. We're huge uh, Studio sixty on the Sunset Strip fans here. Absolutely, the new odd couple. Maybe the one of the best incarnations of the odd couple. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Uh, let's move on. <laughs> Lena Waithe left her Amazon deal. She signed a new deal with Warner Brothers TV. Her first project, this is why I wanted to bring this up, a scripted drama series based on the classic 90s documentary Hoop Dreams. So the new mm. show, set in 90s Chicago, just like the film, coming-of-age story about high school basketball players with, you know, hoop dreams of making it in the NBA, Friday Night Lights. Yeah, well done, heartbreaking, heartbreaking documentary. Yeah, Friday Night Lights and SWAT veteran Aaron Rashawn Thomas is going to write the pilot. Uh, looking forward to that one. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah, that that does sound uh, really cool and interesting. And, uh, yeah, uh, Lena Waite, she's brilliant. And uh, uh, I wonder how hard it is to get out of uh, this deal. Like, she leaves one deal and goes to another deal. Like, are do they mutually cancel? This is her third or- deal because she was she was at Showtime first. Uh-huh. So she was at Showtime, created the Chai. Yep. 
uh, I think did some, some some other stuff there. Then left that to go to Amazon. The only thing she did while she was at Amazon was them, that horror anthology that came out last oh, year. Yes. Mm-hmm. And now already jumping over to Warner Brothers TV. So third deal in, you know, as many years, maybe one more year. Uh, she's getting multiple bags. She's securing several bags, folks. And it goes without saying that we have to mention also had a show on Quibi, also had... Also had a sneaker series where mm-hmm. she would uh, showcase uh, sneakers that she liked. I guess. Oh, I didn't see that. I'm a sneak. I'm a real sneakerhead myself. Are you a sneakerhead? Well, then she did a sneakerhead Quibi series. I'm amazed you did not catch up with this. Where's Quibi available now? It's now a Roku original. I'm sure. Okay. Look it up on your on your Roku device. Yeah, I'll have to seek it out. Oh, and and uh, she was also the focus of the last season of Master of None. You are you are correct, sir. Yes, you're doing like a, the, the Greg Turkey did, like uh, directed by Steven Spielberg from Jaws and. <laughs> The Close Encounters. Uh, <laughs> did you see the latest incarnation of Master of None? No. I I don't think I've seen Master of None since the first season. I I I liked it, but I don't I think there's a certain point when uh, a a show becomes self-aware sort of art art artisanal that yes. it, it just like kind of starts to disappear up its up its own butthole and, and I kind of zone out and gotcha. that one that one just kind of got it got there by the end of season one I was like I, okay, okay what you, come come on you're not you're not Antonioni yeah like you're Aziz Ansari you're not Antonioni ooh that would have been a good that that's my review <laughs> it's a sitcom not Wagner's Ring Cycle yeah I was like I don't know I like okay. listen I, I I it's good I'm not I don't really have a specific complaint I, I thought it was good I, I have nothing but respect for those guys but I, it was not really my thing I enjoyed it stars greenlit the Party Down revival series now six of the seven main stars of Party Down returned this I feel like is one of those like name all the all the seven dwarves. How many of the Party Down cast members can you name? But uh, Ken Marino, Adam Scott, Jane Lynch, Martin Starr, Ryan Hansen, and Megan Mullally, all of whom went on to bigger, better. Uh, well, I have it written down. Uh, bigger, better, other things. Uh, nobody really got left behind from the Party Down cast. They're all they're all coming back. Lizzie Kaplan, the lone holdout, because she's got other projects going. She doesn't have time. Just a full plate. Just a yeah. full plate. Uh, and now. Party Down originally aired on Stars. I don't think so. I will. I will look that up. I, that does not. That does not sound. I right. appreciate that. But yeah, a beloved show that died an untimely death. Everyone was like, "We want more Party Down," and uh, whoever it was was like, "No, no. you you are aired on the Stars Network in 2009 and 2010." So gotcha. Coming back home to Stars. So are you are you telling me um, all these people are still caterers? They were all saying they're getting the pink bow ties back. That was the so I'm. Assuming Assuming they're going to come back and be working for the same catering company, or at least dressing the same, but we'll, we'll see. Ties, but uh, yes. I did think Lizzie Kaplan not coming back. She's got two series in the works. Mm-hmm. She's going to be in a FX on Hulu series called Fleischman is in Trouble, which is based on a novel. It's about a divorced guy whose ex-wife suddenly disappears, leaving him to care for the kids and all of their other responsibilities. Oh, uh, she's gonna she's gonna narrate that one. I'm assuming she's the wife who disappears, and then she's the narrator. Gotcha. Uh, 
And then the other one is she's going to be Alex in the Paramount Plus series based on Fatal Attraction. So that's the Glenn Close character yes. who sleeps with Michael Douglas and then gets jilted and then yeah, uh, you burns won't his, take me uh, for granted. Boils uh, his rabbit uh, in in a very famous yes, scene. yes, and um, in a very famous and by famous I mean only to myself a Halloween costume that my you know I'm noted wife guy. We've done a couple of tandem wow. Halloween costumes. Sure. Yeah, my uh, my my wife was uh, Glenn Close. And I dressed as the rabbit. There you go. And I went to Home Depot and I bought some like silver insulation and I made a pot that I was in. Right, of course, because you're yeah. being boiled. Yes. As a sign of, of her commitment to this to this relationship. Two quick notes. One, we went to like a half a fairly nice restaurant and like it was Halloween season. It was spooky season. We were the only people in costume, and everyone was like. Like, look at that dipshit in the rabbit costume. Yeah, they're like, no, I'm Donnie Darko. You guys like Donnie Darko? This is like exactly. Why are you wearing that human suit? And then the next year, we um, we did a tandem costume of uh, Ducky and Molly Ringwald from Pretty in Pink, sure. and we went to a Halloween par- uh, party with a bunch of other adults. And again, no one else was in costume. We arrived late, and they were just about done filling gift baskets, Halloween gift baskets for children. Can I offer this, Hal? Can I? Can I? Yes. Uh, I know that there's a listening audience. Everybody else who's not Hal, t- tune out for a second. Okay. Hal, yes. I, I think I think you're being set up. I think these. I think once once okay, this could happen. Twice is that they're they're having they're having a little they're having fun with you. I'm showing up places. You're you're and I'm being the only your wife is like listen, I'm gonna tell Hal that it's a costume party and then he's gonna be in a costume and look like a real piece An of shit. Utter and it'll buffoon. look like it'll look like I'm with him, but you guys will know I'm with you. We're all laughing wow. at that idiot. I'm just saying, like, listen, I'm your friend and I wanted you to hear this from me. I'm going to have to have a serious talk with my wife. I mean, I think this might, you know, listen, I'm not saying it's time to get lawyers involved, but it may be time to get lawyers involved. I'll have them at the ready if the conversation goes off the rails. Right. It, depending on how the conversation goes. I think that's fair. I think that's a fair first step. But I'm going to come into that conversation guns blazing. Just, just, yeah, at a, <laughs> at a, at a 10. Just start, start at a 10. That's always my relationship <laughs> advice. And anytime there's a crisis in your relationship, you want to go into that first conversation at a full 10. And this was Lon and Hal's Relationship Corner. (laughs) Find more of these behind our paywall. Before we go anywhere, everybody, you could start listening again. Come back. Okay. I know you you tuned out for a second because I had to talk to Hal. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for rejoining us. I just had to listen. Sometimes that's the way podcasting works is sometimes you just got a sidebar with your host. Lon, you're you're like, uh, you might be the Dear Abby of streaming podcasts. Um, a lot of wisdom. I'm very, I've a lot of sagacity. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, Liz, Lizzie Kaplan playing the Glenn Close role. She's going to, I don't know how, I, I got to be honest with you, I don't know how you get that out to series. Like, it feels like a fairly straightforward scenario, and I guess you just stretch out that tension. Yeah, feels like a limited a limited series. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking to be like eight seasons in a movie. I'm just saying, like, even at even at like eight episodes, I'm like, we get it. We she gonna go crazy. Yeah, like, wh- yeah, what are you gonna do in like uh, like season four? Like, I'm <laughs> still around. I mean, I guess like, listen, they got you. They've they've squeezed longer. 
They squeeze more seasons out of that than you'd think. You would be like, by now, he'll get fucking get caught or something. But no, they, you mentioned they, you. Did you see that Laura Ingram uh, clip today? Is that was that fake? Of course. I mean, like, of course. Like, she. We all know that she thinks she's funny. Laura Ingram has a ton of clips out there of her trying to be funny, and she thinks she can do bits, and she's on the radio, and of course that was. You could see her face. She's a bad actress. She's not acting it well. Like she's doing. The trick is, everybody mm-hmm. go back and watch it. Right. She's doing the thing Jerry Seinfeld does, which is when they're supposed to get frustrated or angry, they don't know how to act that, so they just kind of smile. And on Seinfeld, they built that into the character after a while. That when Jerry Seinfeld gets mad, he smiles. But that's what Laura Ingram is doing. She's not getting fed up with this guy. She thinks it's hilarious. Gotcha. Uh, and everybody went for it, too. It really, it really bummed me out today. <laughs> As someone that spends a lot of time trying to think of funny shit to say on the internet, Mm -hmm. when somebody Mm -hmm. gets such a fucking easy triple, it's just like, oh, come on, guys. Make it a little harder for you. I got kind of snookered by it, Lon. I I don't mean to disappoint you. Listen, I don't don't have proof. Maybe they're both fucking complete morons, but it does... The guy could obviously just be like, no, the name... If I... Here's all I'll say. If you and I were speaking right now, Hal, and I was like... There's a show on Netflix called You. You wouldn't think Me? I meant you wouldn't think there's a show called Hal Rudnick. You would think there's a show called You. It wouldn't make any sense for you to leap to there's a show called You. You mean there's a show with my name? That's not what you means. Yeah. Yep. So for her to make that leap, does it? It's 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 bad writing, folks. It's you know bad what? writing, is what it is. I probably believed in Santa Claus a little too long, and I want to believe that this was an actual dumb mistake by them. I'm making the wank off motion, folks. Yeah, I don't believe that was real. I think they got one over. I think they got one over on you. Maybe uh, Netflix ordered the comedy series Saturday Morning All Star Hits. From animator Ben Jones and SNL vet Kyle Mooney. I think this sounds like a lot of fun. It's mm-hmm. a celebration of the Saturday morning, like, teen and kids shows from the 80s and 90s. Mooney is going to star in a dual role as twins Skip and Trebor, And it's going to combine, like, live-action sketches and animation. Uh, you know, it's sort of like a riff on, uh, yeah, all those old 80s and 90s shows like you and I grew up with. Like Small Wonder? Uh, Sure, I guess. Like, yeah, California Dreamin', those kinds Mm -hmm. of live-action shows. And then, you know, Saturday morning kind of cartoon shows. Heck yeah. Oh, you know what I always liked? I liked all the interstitials, like the the Schoolhouse Rock stuff was always fun. Oh, sure. Do you remember Willie Tyler and Lester with the puppet? Right, and uh, the the guy who hankered for a hunk of cheese. You remember that guy? Oh, yes. Hankering for a hunk of, a sliver slice a chunk of, hankering for a hunk of cheese. What was that guy's name? I don't know. It was a cowboy. It was, it like was a, a cheese cowboy. It was a cheese cowboy. Just Let's just call him the cheese cowboy. Honestly, those must have been ads from, like, the cheese board. Like, I, he was just advertising cheese. Yeah, the Wisconsin Farmer Dell. Yeah, he was just, like, trying to get – because at, at the time, like, as a kid – I felt like those were like PSAs, like he was teaching me something. But mm-hmm. now, in retrospect, he was just singing about how cheese is good. Yeah, it was just capitalism at work. Let's yeah, it was let, literally just let's hey, plant kid, some seeds. Ask let's your plant mom some for cheese seeds. Cheese. Yeah, yeah. It's a wagon wheel. Looks like a wheel of cheese. Oh, like there was, you go. Yeah, that was it. That was the whole bit. It was just he like cut to me eating a 
mozzarella string it's cheese. It's like a, side, a block of cheese the size of a baby's head. Cut to me eating a, a, a moist brie. What kid doesn't love a... a what a kid doesn't love a, a glass of Chardonnay a little, and a brie? A brie on top. Yeah, it's delightful. Oh, mm-hmm. me sitting at a cafe smoking a cigarette. Yeah. So anyway, right, there you go. That's the vibe I'm getting, you know, or like the, whatever, the shirt tales or whatever those cartoons we used to watch. Uh, finally, last news story here. Peacock is producing a three-part docu-series about the history, the rise and fall of kids' TV icon Barney the Dinosaur, who will look at his explosive rise in popularity, only to become, at first, a pop culture joke and eventually a target of hate and ridicule. And we're also going to get to know David Joyner, the man who actually wore the 70-pound Barney the Dinosaur suit on the TV show. You say rise and fall. I... Did Barney really have a fall? Well, the show hasn't been on for a decade. Sure, but does that make it a fall? It seemed yeah. to have a nice run, and then it stopped. Yeah, it had a nice run, and then eventually it went off the air. But when you, I think the idea is, when you think back on Barney the Dinosaur, maybe now, in retrospect, we, we only remember the good times. But it went from this very innocuous figure from a kid's show to, you know, universally ridiculed and hated. Like, there was a real, like, adults sure. turned on it because it was annoying. And, you know, there's, like, family guy. Like, that was, that was like, the pop culture joke became kids beating up on Barney the Dinosaur, right. people punching Barney the Dinosaur. Uh, and so I think it's going to be more like that. Like, like how did this, how did this very innocuous character become such a, such a symbol of of what we don't like about children's entertainment or pop culture or whatever. Back when I did kids' birthday parties, I had to dress as Barney. You dress as well, then you're going to have, we should watch this, because you're going to have particular insight into the Barney mythos. And maybe that's why you're so sympathetic towards the character. Like, I remember Barney as being universally derided. Like, it was... Oh, no, I was was abused by, like, the older kids at these parties. I remember, uh, in particular, there was a pinata, and I was standing there, like, away from it, but these kids kept swinging the pinata rope so the pinata would hit me. Um, and I had like a, a limited field of vision because I was wearing this Barney head. Yeah. So I, wow, you're right. I'm having flashbacks. I'm assuming that the show, I'm assuming the show is going to get into, like it does seem like this happens to a lot of kids' characters. Like Teletubbies also kind of had this and what, Callaloo is that that kid everybody hates? Like okay. I guess, maybe it's just because, you know, parents have to watch these shows with young kids and so they build up this resentment to it. I don't know, but it is an interesting phenomenon. Because I just, like, I'm blissfully unaware. Like, as a sure. as a single childless man, yeah. I don't have to worry about any of this fucking bullshit. That's it, Hal, for the news. That's all. That's all there is. Boom. Coming up, we're, we got a couple of shows from Apple TV+. Plus. We got a uh, little... It's just, one, uh, it's just little, one show and then one film, folks. Don't... Don't listen to his lies. Listen, it's all shows to me. It's shows and programs. <laughs> my stories. <laughs> my stories. Listen, I'm having a up. procedure. We're going to watch a program. Ooh, we've got a brand new Tom Hanks story we're going to talk about <laughs> coming up right after whatever uh, pause happens now. Bitching the fuck out of shit. Juan, now. we both watched Finch. It we was did. not about a bird. No. Uh, it was about a man in the uh, in the not too distant uh, post apocalyptic. Listen, I had uh, immediately. I have questions because it seems yeah. like it's the not too distant future. Mm-hmm. Next Sunday, AD, even perhaps. Right. 
It seems like everything else about this was like civilization fell tomorrow. Yes. But he's developed AI. Like that's the yes. only the only difference is oh, but also robots dream. Like wait, he's hang the on. Guy. Yes. Hang on. That does not, he doesn't seem surprised that he built a thinking robot. So uh, Finch is now available on Apple TV+. Plus. Why are you at the end? We just, we just started. Uh, no, I'm, I'm just... I'm just... <laughs> I feel like you're wrapping up like, Finch, watch it or don't. So, I don't have time to hear what this jackass thinks. Moving on. Yeah, uh, there were a couple of inscrutable statements about it. Up next, we're going to talk about uh, yeah, well, this Hawkeye. Is, this no, is the meat um, of the show right here. No, uh, so it's available on uh, Apple TV Plus, and basically, yeah, we, uh, we got that part. All right, I'm just, I'm rebooting every <laughs> anyway, time. Every time you stop me, I have to Plus. reboot. Okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm like uh, I am like the robot that Tom Hanks. <laughs> You're the robot of bitch. You're Jeff. And Tom Hanks, he's in dystopia. He has a dog, and he builds a robot to take care of his dog uh, when he dies. Right. He's got movie movie coughing disease where he's coughing at the beginning, and you're like, oh, shit, (laughs) bad news for old Finch. And then sure enough. Coughing at the beginning and then um, pulls away a handkerchief at one point, and there's blood. Love it. I love that. Well, that that trope's like, oop. You've ever coughed up a little bit of blood in your life? That's it. That's the, your Doc Holiday. That's what that means. Yep. It, I mean, I am predisposed now. If that ever happens to me. Oh, my God. You're just like, well, that's it. I'm going to start giving away my possessions. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but Lon, you, you, you beg a very important question here. How, what, what, like, we just are supposed to, like, like it goes without saying that AI exists and Tom Hanks just happens to be the master of it and they don't explain it they don't unpack it i think this gets to the the crux of my my issue with with finch as as a film on, on many levels well executed the effects the world looks great the robot looks it great does. tom hanks a terrific actor able to carry this thing by, uh, on his back, his own shoulders, it's just him and this dog and this robot, and you're mm-hmm. never bored. He's very compelling. It's a great performance. Uh, there's there's good things about it, but I don't. It, it, it doesn't really seem like it's able to settle on a tone or what it wants to be. On mm-hmm. some levels, it's this very gritty, very dark, almost people were comparing it to The Road, like this very bleak oh, wow. kind of existential story about like he's, you know, like, perseverance in the in the face of annihilation and like uh, uh, where it's it's definitely a lost cause and he's just yes. gonna keep going anyway and but on the other hand it, there's like this whimsical fable it's very sentimental and it's doing this like shtick where he's teaching the robot to like love and the meaning of friendship and mm-hmm. it's like I don't know if you can fucking pull off that like you can't really do chappy in a Walking Dead world, man. Like, and yeah. that's what it felt like they were trying to do. And it's yeah, just it's like Castaway with robots. And it's like, geez, man, that's a tall order. I, I enjoyed it. And again, um, if you're going to watch someone by themselves, like either Tom Hanks or Will Smith, Tom um, Hardy, Tom Hardy did. Uh, oh did, yeah, uh, yeah, in, in, in the car. Yeah, in the car. Sure, Tom Hardy in a car. So there's a handful of actors who who can pull this off, but. Uh, it is so sad, and they're trying to be like, no, there's hope at the. I'm like, I'm not going to give it away. There's hope, but no, I'm like, no, you're lying to me because everything I watched was just sad, sad. I feel bad for the dog. I feel bad for the robot. I feel bad for Tom Hanks. But it's manipulative. It's like, okay, it Tom is. Hanks casting Tom Hanks. You're already like, 
America's fucking dad. Like, we mm-hmm. all have a lot of built-up warmth and sympathy for Tom Hanks. Yes. And then you're going to pair him with a fucking adorable dog. Yes. And a robot doing cutesy-poo, I'm learning to walk kind of Jeff shtick. the robot. And, and even that. Then there's another cute robot that looks like there's like a Wally robot too, who's his friend. Yeah, a little a little Wally, a little BB-8 dude. Yep. And it's just like at some point you're like, fucking come on! Like I think this would have had more impact on me if it if it went one way or the other. Especially if like if it had really played more subtle and it wasn't so desperately trying to make me cry and so like jerking me around. I think it would have actually been more effective. I think it just it like this you you could see the the strings like it's like it's trying to make you sad and like that's why it it doesn't really work that well i don't absolutely i mean it absolutely does and it worked and uh as far as making me sad and i'm like oh you know what like my uh my you know my wife i'm a wife guy uh didn't even want to finish it because it was so sad and i'm like you know what i'm in for a penny i'm in for a pound i'm finishing i gotta talk about it on the podcast and but it's just there are a couple of holes in the world. Like again, back to the AI. Who is he that he's able to do this? And it's but it's it's not even that. I wouldn't even mind if the leap was he's just the super genius and he was already like on his way and he just like figures it out. I, I could I could take that leap, but it's his reaction. He doesn't seem surprised that he figured it out. It's like, oh, well, let me tinker over this. Like, oh, oh, you can, oh, you can see, oh, you can dream. And it's just like, wait, go, fucking come on. Like, is he not trying? Like, yeah. he did it effortlessly? Like, that, that, that doesn't seem quite right. And, and even if we saw more like building blocks or he'd been working on a bunch of prototypes or you got to sell me on it somehow. It's so like such an afterthought. That it's like, all right, I don't, all right. It, they were just on their, they were in a rush to get out on the road, you know? Like, like it's as simple as the camera pans across a desk and there's a new, an old yellowed newspaper and the headline is, um, Tom Hanks's cat. What's his name? Weinberg. Uh, Weinberg. What's uh, the name of the movie? Fin- oh yeah, <laughs> but Finch Weinberg. We were talking about Finch Weinberg is his yeah. name. Well, okay. Finch, I got a okay. larger Finch. point about that. We can get into that now if you want to. Um, but just a newspaper headline, Finch achieves AI and with a picture of him. That wouldn't make sense either. If he already Why invented, wouldn't it? Because then he wouldn't have to teach it now. It would already have existed. In the past. He's got to create it in the I moment. Call it the pandemic. In the dystopia. With- it's 15 years later. If he had built it 15 years ago before society fell, it would be like. Solving, you know, the the it would have yeah, figured out cold fusion no, by now. Right. Like he's got to just, just wanna, he goes from zero to AI. It, like it's 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 just it's a it's a tweak, but it's just like a oh my! It's like he needs to be surprised. Like it needs to be something that figured itself out, or you got to have like one beat in there where it's like how did the the you know like why did this happen? It's one of the things that in like screenwriting school they tell you. It's like the pregnant moment I had a screenwriter, screenwriting teacher call it, where it's like, mm-hmm. it's not just why does your story happen? It's why does your story happen at this moment? Like, why didn't this story happen a month ago or like right. a year from now? Like, why is this the moment? Like, why that's like a thing when you're writing your screenplay, folks, that you want to think about is like, why does your character need to take this step 
now in their life. And like a lot of the time, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, it's obvious like, well, they're going to lose their house, you know, like there, there's like a, there's like a financial reason or there's like an emo, like, well, they're 18 and they're going to move out or they're going to college or, you know, whatever. Like they just got dumped, you know, like whatever. You got to figure sure. out what that moment is. And I don't sure. know if like they've got the storm, but that doesn't explain the robot. That's why they got to go on the trip. But you need, why is he just, how did he just come up with this? And he is a master technological craftsman here. Not only that, he created this uh, this solar-powered roofing for his vehicle. But we've also, we've just seen his previous robot, which is like, you know, basically what Boston Dynamics has today. Like, it's a little dog thing with a grappler claw on it that can, like, reach for a bottle and, like, helpful, but not chappy. Like, he goes right from that to chappy. Yeah, he went zero to chappy. Uh, so you wanted to make another point, Lon, you were saying. Well, no, I was just going to point out, we watched uh, this. Our, our next uh, our next review will be Shrink Next Door. Yep. Both share a common thread, which is uh, non-Jewish actors playing Jews. And I know we, we talked about this before. I don't have a problem with Jew face. Like, I'm not offended mm-hmm. by it. I just noticed how much of it was going on on Apple TV Plus this weekend. Because oh, we yeah. <laughs> they specifically note on his name tag, we get a close-up on the name tag, just so we could see that his name is Finch Weinberg, which really specifically makes Tom Hanks a Jew. And then it's never there's no reason the character needs to be a Jew. I was wondering why they felt the need to to code Finch as Jewish, specifically. I created a subplot in my head where he was a distant uh, cousin of Max Weinberg from the E Street from the Band Max Weinberg and Seven former and the East Street uh, Band. drummer for Conan O'Brien. Yeah, so uh, that's the little story I created. I think, you know, it was like, because my mom would, if she watched, I don't know if she watched, she probably listens to this. Hello. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if she watched, but if she watched Finch, that would make her go like, that robot's going to work because, you know. Jew. When he, the Jewish, the Jewish guy invented boy. it, it's going to be a good robot. I bet this robot left. It's going to take very good care of that dog. There, oh, what a nice robot. It's not going to be one of those murder robots like the Terminators. Yeah. We'll jump into Shrink next door because I do want to talk about that. But we have Paul Rudd. I think he is a Jew. Yes, from, I, I looked this up. I looked this up. He's from Passaic, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. I feel like he should be doing a better job with his New York Jew. It, it does not feel very authentic to me. It, it feels like a guy doing a New York Jew. I would think he would be better at it. Yeah, all of it feels like, it like feels one a foot manner. in, one foot out. A little bit of a put on. Yeah. I, here's the other thing. So are we moving? Are we moving right into shrink? Yeah, let's move on. That was okay, that was Finch. So that let's was Finch. Up. Listen, uh, j- just to put a button. It's on, on Apple TV Plus. It's on Apple TV Plus, and if you like Castaway, if you like seeing Tom Hanks hanks around, you're going to enjoy it. But it's not without some uh, the world collapsing in on itself a little bit as you're watching. Um, but it is a bit of a tearjerker. Finch. Now onto the shrink next door. Also on Apple TV Plus. Continuing. Yeah. Because you've also got Will Ferrell and Catherine Hahn both laying it on. Great comedic cast. Like, this is, yeah. like, you know, th- th- this is a fucking all-star team of comedic actors. Catherine Hahn, not a Jew, I thought probably the most realistic of all the main performances. She, she, she is uh, stacking her chips playing these Jews. Isn't yeah. she playing uh, Joan Rivers coming up? Well, no, the Joan Rivers show is off. That's not happening anymore. The Joan oh. Rivers show, they, they did not end up securing the rights, and they were going to get sued, so they, they canceled the Joan Rivers gotcha. show. Gotcha. I thought you were about to say they did not end up securing 
securing the bag. They, well, that too. But no, the, yeah, they, too. It was a, there was a rights issue. There were lawsuits back and forth. Melissa Rivers going after them. Uh, so that's not happening. Rivers Cuomo was very upset. But we have gotten to get a look at Catherine Hahn playing a Jew in Shrink Next Door, along mm-hmm. with Will Ferrell. Ah! And then I was going to say, the one other notable performance this week of a, of a Goyesha actor playing a Jew... Vince Vaughn on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, yes. Also not very real. Too tall. I don't I don't buy A tall Jew. I mean, there are tall Jews. Former uh, Miami Heat player, Ronnie Cycli. But uh, yeah, a, a, a very a very tall Jew. Yeah. I was surprised to, to, to see him at, in, the, in the temple scene. I was like, I also, uh, I, I wonder, it's very, I feel like there would be a thing if you're a celebrity and you get invited on Curb Your Enthusiasm. It was like, who gets to play themselves, and then who has to play like a character? Because it's like mm-hmm. Kaylee, Kaylee Cuoco and Vince Vaughn both on this week, but both playing, you know, characters. He's like he sells mattresses. Yes, and yes. She's a dental hygienist. But then you know, but like uh, optometrist. Optometrist, right? Uh, but then like Dylan O'Brien gets to come on as himself the other week, or like Albert yes. Brooks is playing himself. Uh, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I wonder how that. I wonder how Larry David decides in his head. Very interesting. Who's coming on as as themselves? Anyway, let's talk about Shrink Next Door. I don't yeah. So that. the Shrink Next Door, I feel like it's just fine. You know, it. I don't feel compelled to like. Oh, I gotta find out what happens because it's—I don't know—it's like it—it's it, a dish served cold. I, I, I'm not quite—I'm not sucked in. I—I uh, I don't think it likes its characters, and so I think it feels like like Georgia Pritchett, who created the show and wrote a bunch of these episodes. She also writes for Succession, mm-hmm. and I think that one thing Succession does very well is we're obviously. Like, on some level, it recognizes the absurdity of these people. Mm-hmm. And we're laughing at Kendall and Cousin Greg and Tom. But it, it does it does also see them as real people and bring their humanity out. Like, we, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like they're larger than life. They feel real. Like, Shiv and Roman, like, they're crazy and we recognize their craziness. But it also feels like it has a lot of sympathy for them and understands who they are as people. And they have moments of their human frailty it comes exactly. out. Exactly. And that, well, that's what the show's yeah. always sort of culminate in, is they always end in these sort of personal moments. Even Logan, like, no matter how big the characters are, there mm-hmm. are still these quiet moments of themselves and we get to know who they are deep down when they're alone with themselves as people. And I don't feel that for any of the people. They all feel like kind of just rubes that we're laughing at or mocking. And and Paul Rudd is so scheming and duplicitous. And I, I just... You, you get his motivation. Like, they're being very clear about, here's who this guy is, but I don't feel like there's any humanity to him underneath all the mannerisms. Yeah, he's like, I see the opportunity, and I'm going to seize it. Yeah, and he's it's just like, pure weasel. He's just a weasel. But then also... He, he apparently is in, in the show. He's a therapist with a successful business, and people like him. So, what is it? What does he target? I guess you can see it comes out, especially in like the third episode, second or third episode. Right. He realizes one Will Ferrell's issue is that he's a huge pushover and that he's mm-hmm. easy to manipulate, and people take advantage of him. And then it's episode three when he's like, "Oh." I should be the one taking advantage of him because he's extremely wealthy and can make my dreams come true. This schnook. And, like, all that is very, like, they're doing a good job of getting us there to understand his motivation. I just, like, 
there's nothing about him that makes me feel like he's a real person. He's just he's purely there to be this manipulative figure. And then it's the same with Will Ferrell. Like, I don't really feel like I've gotten to know this guy. I just gotten to know his neuroses, like the the things that make him a target. And and and, and it's like that for everybody. And, and it just feels like the show doesn't really like them. It, 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 it thinks they're interesting or it wants to mess with them, but it doesn't like care about them. We're in this middle ground with these characters because they don't, it, you don't get the like the over-the-top humor you might want to see or you might be used to. And I'm not saying that's always necessary, but yeah, the characters don't feel completely lived in. And Well, and it's also, it's not funny. It's too unpleasant to be funny. You feel bad, you know? It's yeah, not, you do feel bad. It's not I did cringe like the, funny, it's just... I, I liked... I thought it was. I thought the theater scene, the Jesus Christ superstar scene, when they were in, when oh, they were the at can. the play. Oh, with the can. Yeah, there, there are moments. Was, there, yeah, there are moments. There are funny moments. But yeah, these feel a little bit more like superficial sketches or caricatures. And the one, the thing that kind of keeps me on board is knowing that this is a true story, and they do something interesting with the first episode. Not necessarily interesting, but just I thought it was a, uh, a nice motif of like, oh, you see where the story ends up and that that is like maybe one of the things that's like oh it keeps me going so knowing that it's true and knowing that it went this far as you see it in the first episode is uh, a catalyst to keep it going but there is stuff against it I'm not like oh I am loving this uh, like the Anchorman guys are back together and Catherine Hahn who's a great comedic actor in her own right uh, is, is, is crushing it it's like okay but I'm half in, half out. So shrink next door. And uh, yeah, I'm not bothered by Jewface either. And like when you talk about that. I'm not bothered by it. I just think it's interesting that there's so much of it this week. There was like a lot of examples. There is a lot of it. But like, you know, could a Jew play a Christian? Sure. Could a Christian play a Jew? Fine. Like, I'm, it's not a big deal. Um, I enjoy Eddie Murphy as uh, the Jewish guy in the barber shop. I just think, you know, varying degrees of success. And I think that it, yeah. it, you do want to be careful to not just play the the stereotype. And like, I think that's, no, n- none of these are examples. Like, I don't think that's what Vince Vaughn was doing or whatever. He doesn't really, he's not playing it any different. He's just literally putting a yarmulke on and being Vince Vaughn. The Will Ferrell voice where he's, he was giving it a little of this. I'm kind of like, all right, a bagel with a schmear. Yeah, and it's like, and it's, it's right in between a Jew voice and just New Yorker. So I feel yeah. like you could kind of go, like if Paul Rudd was not Jewish, I'd be like, that's too far. But he's Jewish, so ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Go nuts. Listen, boy chick. Do, Listen. Do the, you want to do the voice? Yeah, you do the voice. Take some kugel home with you. <laughs> yeah. The Shrink Next Door on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, the final thing that we watched, uh, this was a deep cut that Lon was like, well, hey, let's watch this. There's, there's a backstory to this. So okay. there, this guy, there's a guy, a British martial artist and actor, Scott... Scott Adkins. And I first heard his name because he's going to be in John Wick 4. And mm-hmm. when he got added, a lot of people who like action movies or who know more about action movies than me, I'll go ahead and say, were like, ooh, Scott Adkins. And I didn't know who the— f- There was a buzz from action movie Twitter? There were—people were excited that he was joining. And it, this was not a name I knew. And sure. so I was looking up his movies and— these were not movies that I had heard of. And even more interesting to me was one of these movies that he was in that I had not heard of is called Universal Soldier, colon, 
Day of Reckoning. And this led me down a whole rabbit hole. Uh-huh. There were several, we all remember Universal Soldier, Jean-Claude right? Van Damme. Early 90s, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. This mm-hmm. was the first Roland Emmerich, Dean Devlin movie, like before. Oh, okay. Yeah, before their huge disaster. Before, the, yeah. before Independence Day mm-hmm. and all the disaster movies. Before even Stargate, this was their very first movie. Oh, wow. And it's about uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren are Vietnam vets. They, while they were in Vietnam, they, it was like, uh, it was like a little thick platoon. Dolph Lundgren was the platoon leader who went sideways and went crazy during the war. Gotcha. And Jean-Claude Van Damme was the Willem Dafoe, like the good guy soldier who kept yeah, his sanity mm-hmm. with the conscience. And so they, they had this conflict and ended up killing each other in the jungle during Vietnam. The U.S. government puts them on ice for many years, and then they are revived and put into this program called the Universal Soldier Program. You're talking about Time Cop. They're, well, no, they don't get sent through time. They're just know, they're, they're cryogenically whatever preserved, and then they're used as these guinea pigs in this program to create super soldiers. Like their mm-hmm. mind is wiped, and they're just it's it's more like RoboCop, really. Like it's kind of a ripoff. It's basically Terminator plus RoboCop. They're like these super machine soldiers, but slowly remembering who they are, and then it becomes this action movie. So that's the first Universal Soldier. Gotcha. They made a few really bad direct-to-video sequels that you don't need to worry about, like TV movies. But then, in the late aughts, John Hyams, who's the son of action, legendary action director Peter Hyams, did two, also direct-to-video or direct-to-streaming or whatever, new sequels with Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren. The first one's called uh, Universe... I'll look it up. I think it's Universal Soldier Regeneration. Okay. I'm going to look it up to be sure. I didn't realize that we were going to go on this Universal Soldier deep dive. So the first one is 2009's Universal Soldier Regeneration, which is is interesting and pretty good and revived... Cuts out all the other sequels and goes back and follows directly after the first Universal Soldier. And then the next one is the one that has Scott Adkins in it as the okay. star. And he's a new Universal Soldier. He's fighting the Universal Soldiers. And it's really good, really weird, really experimental. And he's great. He's like both acting like very charismatic, a good on-screen presence, and doing these really cool fight scenes and choreography. Uh, they're both on Tubi, by the way, if you want to check out these Universal Soldier sequels with JCVD and Dolph Lundgren. I really cool. enjoyed them. So that led me down this whole Scott Adkins rabbit hole of looking up his other direct-to-video, direct-to-streaming movies and checking them out. And the best one I saw yes. is on Netflix, and I sent gotcha. it to you, and it's this British revenge action movie from a few years ago called Avengement. Yes. Um, and Avengement available on Netflix, and I enjoyed the heck out of it. Uh, I would say it's like, you know, you mentioned um, he came uh, into your purview because he's going to be in John Wick 4, uh, John Atkins. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I would say this film Scott feels Atkins. a little Scott, Scott Atkins, sorry. Um feels a little bit like John Wick meets Bronson. Yeah, I mean he he it opens with him and he's this incredibly hardened criminal and he's got like 
like a real messed up face of like he's obviously been through it. Like he's scarred yeah. and he's got burns and his teeth are all replaced with this like metal grill. He looks yeah. like really like like the ultimate yeah, like you don't hard want to run man. into this dude in a dark alley. Right. Uh, let him have the right of way when you're walking down yeah. the street. Et and so he he goes into this like bar that's obviously like the hideout or the the headquarters for a, a gang of, of mm-hmm. toughs in London. And he basically takes all these guys hostage and he's waiting for their boss who he wants to get revenge on. And while he's holding them there hostage and beating the crap out of them and yep. waiting for their boss, he tells them the story of how he came to be in this position. And so you get all these flashbacks and it's like it's sort of half a prison movie as we go back to him surviving all of these harrying, you know, adventures in prison. And then in the present day with him getting his his grisly revenge. And it does a really great job because it's filled with awesome fight scenes, action set pieces. But, okay, just comparing it to um, one of my favorite action franchises, uh, The Raid. In, in, in The Raid, the action sequences top each other constantly. I, don't, I didn't feel like these action sequences topped each other, but they were so watchable and so good. And the story just kept clicking along and the pacing of the film was really well done. Even though it's like, okay, another very good action sequence, maybe not better than the previous one, but um, you're invested and the guy sells it. He was really magnetic and um, I absolutely saw... Um, what uh, Lon was seeing, uh, the, he's fun to watch. Yeah. And the conceit of going back and forth between this hostage situation and just the rigors of him being a marked man in prison and having to fight his way <laughs> through like every gangster and prisoner um, locked up in this uh, harrowing, terrible London prison or uh, English prison uh, was, yeah, it, it just clicked along and it's a really yeah. fun watch. It kicks ass. It's, like, it got, it's got sort of notes of like early guy Richie, like that mm-hmm. kind of like British tough yeah, guy crime off, smoking movie. barrels kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, but uh, but it really is its own thing, and and I, it's rare to see Western action sequences where they really do. I think you you brought up the raid, and it does have that. I don't know if it's quite as impressive as as what some of those guys are doing in yeah. some of those like Thai and Filipino movies. They're 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 amazing, but uh, mm-hmm. but, like you know, there's a lot going on in like Asian cinema right now. That's awesome. I'm not saying it directly compares, but it's 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 one of the rare Western movies that I think you could talk about in the same breath with those movies where it's like this is these are really well executed and brutal like it's that's the yes. one thing is I do want to let you guys know it's very violent it's it's a hard R it's and it's it's and then, and then like it really is hard hitting like the the fights and the punches and the hits are punishing and brutal and intense and you really feel it and that's what makes it so good. Like, you know, they are not half-assing it. No. So anyway, the, the guys who made this movie and Scott Atkins have a new one out. It's on VOD right now called One Shot. I'm definitely going to check that one out. Same director, also Scott. They made a few of these. Uh, and he does, he has a robust, like, low-budget action cinema career that I'm going to wind my way through. But, um, yeah, it's a, a cool example of, like, there is this whole world And all of these movies, or most of them, are on streaming services, either Netflix or a lot of them are on Prime. Some of them are on Hulu. Tons of them on services like Pluto and Tubi and, like, these these free with ads. There is this whole world of these, like, lower-budget sci-fi and action movies. If you don't mind, not huge A-list effects and, 
you know, maybe some actors you haven't heard of or Bruce Willis or Morgan Freeman stopping by for a scene to say hi. <laughs> like John Malkovich sometimes will show up for a moment or two. Yeah, they, they got to make paychecks to uh, support that lifestyle. There is a whole world of these movies, and sometimes they're good, you know? Like, there's people doing interesting stuff. And, uh, yeah, Avengement, uh, a 2019 film. And uh, here's one uh, one more question for you, Lon, since you turned me on to this. Uh, is is avengement an actual word? I think it is. I think it's like, you know, like if you were an Avenger, it would be because you're a person that achieved avengement. There you go. Um, if you uh, if you want to uh, see if avengement is in the Webster's Dictionary out there, uh, you feel free to do that. Yeah, be my guy. I wouldn't ask Scott Adkins. I would take his word for it. That guy will rough you the fuck up. Avengement absolutely kicks ass. It's available on Netflix, and those are the programs we watched. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Hoot hoot to everybody in hashtag Owl Nation. Uh, where my hooligans at? Uh, thanks to Starburns Audio for having us. Travis Reeves, appreciate you for producing these uh, voices on this podcast. Thank you. Jason K, thanks for the opening tunes. Lon Harris, do you want to tell folks where they can find you? Uh, find me on Twitter at L-O-N-S. That's the best place to do it. And uh, yeah, but you could also check out my other podcast. It's called Garmin Shosia. That's on the Content Content Candy Network. Uh, and those are the places to keep up with me. Oh, and Inside Streaming. Subscribe to the Inside Streaming newsletter. Uh, that's free. That's five days a week. That'll update you about all the stuff we talk about here on this podcast and much more. Inside.com slash streaming. Very nice. And you can find me at Hal Rudnick on Twitter and Instagram. And you can go over to twitch.tv and uh, twitch.tv slash Hal Rudnick. And uh, we can hang out on Twitch. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys, bitch boys, bitch boys, bitch boys, bitch in the fuck out of shit.